70 record closing highs so far for the day. Blasting through a ceiling. In a record-setting IPO. Investors who have been riding the wave. When the stock market is booming, we're made to believe the economy is booming. As the stock market goes, so goes the wealth and the health and economy. So what exactly is the stock market measuring? Uh, September 19th. 2023, 98.4 Capital FM, good evening. A wonderful Tuesday evening for yet another captivating edition of Financial Forecast, a show that seeks to delve into matters economy, finance, and money matters. Nyambura Ndongo alongside Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics. And as you set in to start your new week, take time to get your weekly report every Monday by subscribing to www.mentoria.co.ke. Ken, hello. How has your week been? Good evening. It's been a light Tuesday, a great week. I'm quite surprised by the traffic, very little traffic on the roads. Um, I came from Westlands to here in about under five minutes. How about you? Uh, my week has been pretty much expensive, Ken, and I think we are going to look into matters that cause the expensiveness later into the show. And you're listening to us on 98.4 Capital FM. You can catch us online on www.capitalfm.co.ke slash listen live. For our online listeners, any comments, questions, catch us on WhatsApp line uh, 0701984984. And our socials, X, uh, Facebook, at Capital FM Kenya, hashtag financial forecast. Inflation continues to decline, but is still expected to remain too high for too long. So, Ken, uh, we've just had uh, a lady. Who is she and what is she talking about? Well, Nyambura, that is Christine Lagarde, and that is uh, the president of the European Central Bank. And what she's saying there is a precursor of what the decisions were before the interest rate setting uh, by the ECB, which they eventually chose to raise interest rates. So it was a significant moment, I'd say the most significant moment of the week that led the ECB, the European Central Bank, um, to raise interest rates really to the highest point since the foundation of the euro. So really the concerns around inflation, you know, we complain about inflation here in Kenya, but it's still a global issue. And um, um, there are concerns there that it's it's remaining too high for too long and they need to do more to be able to bring it down. Right. So she was talking about the Cent- European Central Bank um, meeting that was happening last week and we discussed it. There were two events that were happening last week. So there was a European Central Bank and then at the same time uh, we had... Um, the U.S. inflation numbers prediction that was happening. So I think we'll just start with the European Central Bank that has raised the interest rates to the highest level now. Why is that the case? That's a great recollection. That was one of the big stories um, for last week. Uh, you remember our prediction at that time was they might hold the rate steady. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing about markets is markets can change their mind very quickly. Uh, but the key thing is, um, I think there's a perception that inflation is still um, quite high. It's still um, creating a disorderly um, instance on households and their budgets. And uh, their need to fight inflation seems to be quite, quite high. And I think that's what led them to, as I said, to put interest rates 
to its highest rating um, since really the creation um, of the euro. And when you talk about the ECB, they actually have three interest rates. You know, Ian, can you talk about the central bank rate? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they actually have three interest rates. So actually, if you look at really the commentary, uh, it talks about raising, you know, both the deposits, the the, the, the interbank, and uh, a variety of other interest rates. So there is the interest rates there. How is this going to affect and impact their economy? Well, it could have very negative impacts because already the households are really uh, struggling with high interest rates. You remember in those economies, almost yep. everybody has a mortgage. True. So when the ECB raises interest rates, our mortgage repayments go almost instantly upwards. Yeah. So that could drive really... Uh, these economies into a recession. In fact, that has been one of the criticisms of monetary policy yeah. um, as it is today where we are really focused on inflation but you're forgetting the impacts of high interest rates on businesses and on households. So already ca- countries like um, Germany are already being considered as candidates for recession and really struggling. So that could be the uh, impact where you'll have um, low growth Possibly recession, yeah. uh, business is struggling, and some even um, having even to shut down because really they can't keep up with um, sort of the rate payments. So it's 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 a bleak picture, but uh, you know the policymakers they keep saying that it's absolutely necessary to be able to bring it down to I think the two percent target. You see, can every time they sit and they have a meeting and they decide based on the markets and how they are looking, and if at all we are talking about Germany. And to be quite honest, we know Germany as one of those like prime markets. If at all they are thinking or th- their outlook is they're heading towards a recession, then if we bring this matter close home, are we in a way meant to be either worried or are we meant to be like we understand where the government is coming from? I think we should be worried because these are countries that give us our tourists. Totally. If you think about the biggest sources of tourists in Kenya, mm. you have the United States, you have um, Germany, um, you have much of Europe, England. So if these countries go into recession, number one, it means um, the tourist levels coming to Kenya they and draw. other parts go down. Mm-hmm. And also importantly, the exports that we send. We know we send right. um, French beans, we send avocados. avocados, we send so much to these markets because of the ability to absorb. Right. Now, if they are cutting back on their budgets for food because they have higher mortgage payments, Internal it means even the demand for these things will actually go down. So for a Kenyan sitting you know, here in Nairobi or in the counties, uh, these things definitely will have an impact, especially if in the export business. And so many Kenyans have joined the export business, if you think about horticulture. So definitely it could have an impact on um, our local scene here. I was having a conversation this weekend uh, with um, a family member, and they say that in England they've had uh, there was a hike in their mortgage rates because of their interest rates. And they've had people have lost their homes. Now, when we talk about the European Central Bank, and we know that um, England, United Kingdom, did Brexit, how how does that affect? Because they look like they're correlated. They're still in the same trade area. So, the decision that is going to be made by the European Central Bank, I'm sure, is probably um, is going to affect the United Kingdom's, you know 
the economy and how they are meant to also uh, give their mandates and uh, how how does that play out uh, well um england uh, tends to operate outside uh, the mandate of the european central bank yeah. um even before brexit uh when england was part of the eurozone uh they still use the pound sterling uh-huh. they never gave up their currency and yeah. the bank of england s- still set uh the monetary policy and and rightly so i think countries should um be able to have sovereignty over their uh, currency affairs totally. uh but the mandates are similar the mandates of the bank of england the mandates of the european central bank uh the number one mandate tends to be price stability really keeping inflation to a bare minimum that typically about hard. 2% um but if you think about what where england is going right now you know after oh. brexit you know, that was a huge uh, historical event in 2016 yeah. um caught many people by surprise, surprise. And, and 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 i think part of it is the uk is now starting to think okay now we are on our own we need to start being competitive okay. we need to start um we don't have the luxury of the 20 member partners we are on our own so we need to be competitive So the UK government the Bank of England have cleverly tried to create a new mandate uh for the Bank of Ling- England. So it's not mm-hmm. just about inflation. Yeah. It's also about making it more competitive. How do we make England the financial services sector more competitive um as it were? Uh but even that idea is getting a pushback. Um the latest paper has been challenging that notion saying okay. uh you can't be championing an industry where you're policing you have to choose one of the two either you're the police or you're the lobby group but you can't be you can't be both so it's sort of challenging that and actually calling for tough regulations um to be able to 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 curb risky behavior so the mandates are, are sort of being tweaked a bit but obviously for all of them I'd say price stability keeping prices uh, at a stable rate that has been sort of like the key the sort of like the key theme around most central banks so th- that is definitely going to make the life of the economists such as yourself a little bit harder because you're raising interest rates but at the same time you want to like price stability and which is two sides of like totally different outcomes so one point you're trying to manage the other side you're still being pushed that it has either to raise or maintain which is i think um anyway that's why you do what you do uh there's also a meeting uh bank of england is meeting this week so okay they are, they are definitely going to be informed they, are, they have seen what the european central bank has done so what does this mean now for bank of england and you've raised a very important point uh, nyambora around uh, on the one hand uh, they're being told you have to maintain prices and price stability but when you raise interest rates it's mm. very easy for businesses to pass on those costs to consumers you know if you are a manufacturing company yeah. and your factory has been funded by loans from the banks if the interest rates go up yes you might absorb some of those costs within your profit but there's also a likelihood I'll transfer you might cost. yeah pass it to totally. to the consumer the consumers which yeah. means their cost of living also goes, goes up so what you're trying to cure actually sometimes you end up actually exacerbating it that indeed is a concern but i think the big thing has been when you raise interest rates you kill demand yeah. you reduce demand people purchase less goods and services and by that 
uh, sort of what you call they dislocate yeah. uh, the demand schedule which means things come down but this those all is that point for the bank of england uh you know look this week is going to be quite big very heavy the central banks we have the fed uh, reserve the big one tomorrow yeah. uh, the bank of england on uh, thursday uh, and friday we have the bank of japan so i think for the bank of england it's really about the, the expectation is they might raise interest rates uh, and that might actually get to the highest point it has been since 2007 and uh but i think the positive side to that is markets are interpreting that to be this could be the last of the overnight. interest rate hike so you'd find even markets such as the FTSE yeah because typically when you expect an central bank to raise interest rates the natural expectation is you'll find the stock market coming down but if you look at the FTSE it's up the FTSE 100 so it tells you that uh, markets are in as much as they understand the negative impact of higher interest rates they believe that the aggressive rate hike is actually coming to an end and yeah the likes of FTSE it's one of the few indices that's up actually last week the FTSE had its best day in 2023 can what's the FTSE what does it measure <laughs> <laughs> what is it that's a great great question yeah. uh the FTSE it really stands for the financial times stock exchange mm-hmm. and it really captures the top 100 arguably most significant um companies um in the United Kingdom mm-hmm and uh obviously this was um had a big impact for the financial times which is a media outlet and the london stock exchange Mm -hmm. really coming together back in the 80s so actually it's something that's probably will be turning 40 years next year Uh Uh, so it's been there for a while and it's an indicator so yeah last it had its its last week had it had its best week so it tells you still people are actually quite um, optimistic optimistic that we we are kind of done with this high interest rate regime and it can only be down from here on so that um, sort of optimism enthusiasm which is not reflected in other parts of the global economy yeah Asia is down the Americas then talking of the US inflation numbers you had a prediction last week and your prediction was the core would be down 4.3 and the headline would be up 3.6. So what came out of that? What came out of the meeting and what was the outcome? Well, we were very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went up to 3.7. So we are just down by 1.1%. Mm-hmm. 0.1%. Mm-hmm. 0.1%. So I think we are quite accurate and I think the reading was quite accurate. Um, for a lot of people, it tells mixed stories. Uh, as we say, the Fed still um, believes inflation needs to go down to 2%. So what the Fed will do tomorrow, and tomorrow I think will be the biggest day this week yeah. in terms of global markets. There seems to be two camps mm-hmm. um, predicting what the Fed will do today. You have both the academic economists who believe the Fed needs to do more. Um, and by that they mean they need to raise interest rates ah. to curb inflation. But you find the market traders, so the people who really are in front of these terminals from 8 to 5 trading, there's almost a 99% consensus that the Fed will hold steady. So it's interesting how academic economists and what you'd call market economists um, sometimes can have a different uh, outlook. So I'd say tomorrow 
and it almost looks 50-50. Right. Yeah, and I, I consider myself a market economist. I, I was about to ask you, <laughs> <laughs> where, where would you fall? Where would you consider yourself at? Very much a markets uh, economist. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a huge academic consensus um, that the Fed needs to 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 do more. Some people say the academics sometimes are a bit detached from reality. <laughs> they don't understand the impact of high interest rates, especially in a place like in America where you know when we started this show the big story is about the US banks yes. really struggling yes. and the need to control interest rates mm-hmm. to prevent further um further collapses. Yeah. At that time we had this, this um signature bank, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. So yes, I think sometimes it really depends. Is it the, the, the scholars or is it the market that dictates? But you see, the people who tend to sit on these monetary policy committees most of the time are from an academic background. background. They're not really business people. They're not yeah. really ex-Wall Street traders. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the academic position tends to reflect you don't get bankers per se. You, right. you get you, you get policymakers and policymakers are tend to be tied to academia um, oh. a bit more. So it's where you'll find sort of like an ex-Goldman Sachs trader sitting on sort of the Fed Reserve and, and that. So because of that, you'd find the academic outlook tends to be very important and mm-hmm. significant in as much as sometimes people may think it's not really connected to the reality. So tomorrow's decision, those are the two camps. Right. Uh, but I personally expect they might hold it, um, um, hold it steady and um, which would mean sort of a, a reprieve, okay. if any. Throwing a spanner in the works. If at all I'm a trader, of course, I want the market to go in a certain way because I stand to benefit in a certain way. So do you think at some point the traders are still going to also influence the decision that is actually going to be made by the Fed? You know, that came up um, some time back uh, during the COVID period mm-hmm. where there was a discussion on um, traders, um, the ability to come together and cause, uh, particularly in the stock markets, yeah. where you found um, uh, small companies, unknown companies, and the stock prices would shoot up because all the traders would say, we are buying that. that one. So there is that impact, but America's um, securities regulation tends to be very thorough, very okay. rigorous, and they try to check um, that kind of what you call the hard hard behavior. Uh, they really try to check on it. So it's 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 possible, but it's not pervasive. Okay. Yeah. I think we have gone through the equities, which are all generally down, I think, if you, other than the FTSE. Uh, the rest are all generally down. Uh, looking at the commodities, energy, as usual, is all up. And there's a very uh, painful conversation we're having right now, Ken. Is there a correlation with the hike prices um, globally and what we're experiencing in Kenya based on what IPRA gave us last week? Well, there is a correlation and uh, global energy prices are expected to go up uh, mostly because of uh, the actions of Saudi Arabia and Russia Mm. uh, which are cutting back on reserves. So when they cut uh, reserves, when they cut their supplies, definitely it means you have less oil coming into the market and the prices go up. So the expectation from the international um, energy agencies, drivers should expect uh, global prices 
um to go up now what does that mean for somebody driving um here in Nairobi uh it also means what's driving local prices is partly global but also partly local the taxation component is quite significant yes. here in Kenya you know Nyambura if you go and buy a liter right now it's about 211 211 and out of that about 79 shillings goes to taxes taxes so in as much as we can point to global forces which are true that um, the supply shocks will raise prices um it's also true that um the taxation component has also increased uh, the prices of uh, domestic fuel the metals are up gold platinum palladium silver and copper down any indicator i think uh, last week we also discussed about uh, how gold is always going to be the opposite of the dollar so is it they were waiting for the inflation numbers to come up but now gold is up so is that correlation is it there what we had predicted last week and now the gold prices are back up well as i say the outlook on um, what the fed will do today keeps uh, changing uh, the outlook uh, in terms of um, monetary policy what the fed will do tomorrow uh, will definitely have an impact on uh, the direction of um the dollar and gold and as i said right now there seems to be almost two camps as to which uh will drive monetary policy now because of that it means gold prices there will be some vacillation um going up and down um if you look at the bonds the us bonds 10 year bond you're talking of it hitting a 16 year high in terms of interest rates wow. naturally it means the dollar if the fed raises interest rates will also strengthen and when the dollar strengthen i mean that also has an impact so definitely gold prices will be looking at those dynamics right. as i said gold is a hedge for inflation mm. and we saw inflation numbers um coming down and uh, so definitely um the fact is core inflation is going up okay. and the market tends to pay attention a lot to core inflation so definitely that's why you might see gold prices still in demand okay. you know now agriculturally something interesting is happening um other than corn sugar coffee cotton going all up there's a spike in olive prices um so high that at some point it's it's driving such a demand that oil prices olive oil prices people are stealing olive oil can <laughs> what is happening very 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 dramatic uh events happening in the olive oil space and uh you know Nyambura, the biggest oil producer olive oil yeah. producers are um Spain okay. um followed by Greece and Italy uh and of course i mean it's what's been going on with the climatic conditions in Spain um particularly the droughts Spain has had the third hottest summer um on records uh, what that means is the olives have not been coming through as expected and you know the world depends on olive oil most of healthy nutrition world really depends on uh, what they call the liquid gold yeah it's that very that precious it is very expensive um, it, it is i mean you go to the any supermarket yeah. here you'll find the markup is quite significant because of its oh. its, its its health benefits yeah. so definitely um what's going on there is tied to the climatic condition you know we talked about the climate summit and climate change but definitely that uh inability of spain 
to produce. Now, what are other countries doing? Yeah. People will talk about, well, we'll buy from Turkey. We can go to Turkey, but Turkey has also post a ban on its exports. Oh. It's saying, you know, actually, we only have enough we for ourselves. Okay. And sometimes that tends to be the challenge of our global trade. You know, we always advocate for a world of free trade, global trade. Until but the reality is when there's scarcity or when there's a global shock, um, the key problem is, yes, if people say we'll block it. And we saw Russia with wheat. We saw India with um, uh. I think dairy. So that's sometimes the challenge of when you try to advocate of this free global market policy. The reality is when um, things become particularly bad, it's very easy for countries to say, um, I'm shutting down. Now imagine if you were a olive oil trader here in exactly. Nairobi yes. and you get all your imports from Turkey and Turkey has said, you know, we are putting okay. a ban. Can you imagine the losses you'd face? So these are sometimes the issues, you know, we talk about free trade, global trade, but sometimes we don't talk about these issues enough and that's what's happening in the olive oil world. So at this particular point, then there's going to be a substitution effect because if at all I can't get my olive oil, then, well, I, I don't know what can substitute olive oil in terms of health and... Uh, then we just wait and see how the commodities are going to act next week, right? Uh, we'll take a short break and we shall be back after the break. The best mix of music, Welcome back, 98.4 Capital FM. You're listening to Financial Forecast, a show that seeks to delve into matters economy, finance. You're with me, Nyamburandongo, alongside Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics. Ken, we have discussed global. Now let us come back home. Um, continentally, what is going on? What is happening in our big five economies? Well, I think um, starting off with Nigeria, um, that's the largest economy in Africa. Um, there is that uh, expectation already. It's, well, it's already even happening now of the trip uh, by the United States Deputy Treasury Secretary uh, Wale Adeyemo uh, really has been dispatched by the Biden administration to come and sell a message of partnership uh, with the, with Nigeria really sending a message of um, first really advocating for the reforms that the new Nigerian president is conducting, uh, but also sending a message of it's time to do business, it's time to trade, it's time to do investments, it's time for United States and Nigeria to be partners in the path to prosperity. This comes after we had BRICS the other day, and then <laughs> America's decided now it's time. But at the same time, we have seen what has happened to Uganda and the sanctions that have been given. So isn't it in contrast that at one particular point they are sending... Also, it's a bit convenient that they're actually sending an African. I know he's of American descent, um, Wale Adeyemo. But at the same time, we are seeing that the same voice is not replicating to Uganda. And we know our president is there as well. He's meeting with the tech giants and all that. So they are also still quoting... Um, and I think this is maybe to dilute the effect of our friends from Asia. But Ken, isn't it at one particular point you're saying, "Come, let's trade." At one point, you're putting sanctions on uh, on another on another country. Uh, it, it does seems like different strokes for different folks, right? And <laughs> um, 
I can see a contradiction in that sense. Although somebody would argue that uh, the World Bank, in as much as it might be influenced by American foreign policy, is, is a World Bank and it's different it from the United States government right. uh, in as much as uh, the United States has a big say mm. in what it does. So um, somebody might see uh, that contrast um, in that approach where you are courting one and sort of warning um, um, yeah. um, another. Uh, and it's it's very observant of you to connect it to the recent BRICS um, event, obviously that um, shook much of the Western world. And, um, you know, America has been feeling that China has made inroads a lot in Africa and it's time to be able to balance um, that global influence. So the cutting of Kenya, the cutting of Nigeria, um, particularly the, what we call the big three, you know, they call the big three triangle, Kenya, South Africa, Nigeria. Right. Those uh, tend to be very critical, uh, particularly to this Biden administration. So... I agree with you. You know, it's it's not coincidental that they sent. <laughs> I mean, Wale Adeyemo. He is born of Nigerian um, origin. Mm-hmm. You know, born in Ibadan mm-hmm. and moved to the United States at a very tender age. Right. Uh, but um, the optics also matter. Sometimes when you have, um, he he is the senior most African um, public servant. In the United States, right, and to send somebody of that gravitas, uh, definitely uh, shows, the shows the Nigeria that the United States is serious. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his itinerary in Nigeria, he'll be meeting very interesting. He won't just be meeting policymakers. Right, he'll be meeting heads of entertainment industries. <laughs> he'll be meeting wow. uh, business people. So he tells you it's not just policy. And as much as, yes, you'll talk about Nigeria, Naira, we need to fix it. Uh, but when you start meeting entertainers, yes. it tells you that there's a deeper uh-huh. conversation on both a cultural and this United States saying, you know, we've had Obama right. who has ties to Kenya. Right. This could be your Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to him. <laughs> I think we also need to start importing our music because I think uh, Nigeria and the West of Africa, their music has really grown into... Uh, the world and it's now really appreciated even in uh, in states you're absolutely right it's 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 one of the biggest exports really if you think of you know concerts right. that some of the big artists um, are having mm-hmm. you know you told of Oxy, the o2 arena yes. being filled to capacity right. in london and um the, the arenas Square. in the united states so right. it, it is uh, a big uh, there's a big opportunity for cultural partnership um, so I think the U.S. is looking at this, particularly with Wale and his cultural ties, mm-hmm. to be able to see how can the two come closer. You know, Nigeria still has a lot of uh, teething issues in right. its structure of its economy. Corruption is still um, quite significant. So I think it will be a long journey, but I think a lot of people in Nigeria will be quite impressed by this um, gesture. And uh, there could be some... Uh, possibilities of maybe strengthening those diplomatic ties. Mm, we are still seeing uh, the north of Africa, Morocco, Libya. Uh, I'm sure the markets are also struggling because of uh, the floods and the earthquakes and what is happening there. Is it still uh, coming in from the El Nino and what we are, I think, meant to be anticipating and how it's going to play out on also on their markets? and what they export 
on that side yeah i think the, the natural uh, disasters have been quite profound uh if you think of the earthquake yeah in morocco which i think the last count i saw was about 2000 so very high number more than 2 i think it's even gone possibly even higher than that uh obviously that puts anytime you lose such a m- number of people the mood is very subdued uh it's very uh it's very depressed in yes. a way and that also has impacts on markets it has impacts on you know people think about um so many things around around that time and it it does influence uh, markets. It's it's, would say it's a low period in 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 North Africa, and um, yeah, we can only pray that that reconstruction. You know, it's never easy to go through such a thing, but we can only pray that uh, they're able to get back to the vibrant Morocco that uh, we've always known. Yeah, I think uh, that will be tackled tomorrow as we are having the Morocco ambassador coming in for our breakfast show. So you can tune in and let us hear how it is and how they are coming back. Uh, in terms of the economy and even the people, I mean, such a loss, you know, you haven't really anticipated, you can't really anticipate an act of God. So we pray for them. And then let's see how also that looks up. Looking, uh, coming home now, completely, now we're in Kenya. Our president is in the USA and he's been meeting the tech giants uh, there. He just met, uh, I saw a photo with him, him and Tom Cook. He's the met uh, clothing outfits he's also going to a restaurant what are we anticipating from this visit uh, well it, it it appears that you know this is showcasing mm. the possibilities of what american kenyan partnership can be um and it, it it does appear that also the u.s ambassador to kenya has been very central um if yes. you look at all the photos um she's been very very present in that you know so as you say it talks with the apple boss um, Tim Cook, yeah. um, uh, with uh, the WorldCoin <laughs> CEO, you know, right. Sam Altman, who, in other words, all the world also is in the chat GPT world. So very interesting conversations in tech, what can be done for tech, um, M-Pesa, can we integrate? So I think even Safaricom has been really heavily involved in M-Pesa payments, um, linking them with the big tech giants. You know, sometimes Nyambura, you want to buy something online and you're told, you know, put in your credit card number. Yes. Now you'll find still not so many Kenyans have their credit cards. Yes, to have that. Or will be willing to even give it. Yeah, there's also that trust deficit. Right. And sometimes people are like, well, I've I've been scammed scammed once. So the ability to integrate that with M-Pesa. You know, right now, Google, for example, I don't know if you've noticed that Today, if you if you reach a certain limit in terms of your memory, um, you have to start paying um, yes, Google an amount. To, yeah, they'll tell you a to Gmail. Add a terabyte. Exactly. Right. And now you have to pay for that storage. Yes. And there are various packages. Are one for two hundred bob, I think four hundred bob, and that. But very key to that, if you notice, the payment is only in cards. Only you know, Visa yes. and cards. That's it. So you think of somebody in Isiolo. At some point, they even limit the PayPal. That's it. And you have to have actually have the card. And if at all you don't have that, then of course you can't proceed. So someone in Isiolo. Somebody in Isiolo sitting there. For a lot of people, the Gmail, for example, is their primary 
uh, email account. Many people don't have the privilege of having a corporate yes. uh, email account. So Back then it was Yahoo, now it's Gmail. Precisely. Uh-huh. So everybody has a Gmail account. So imagine you're in a situation now where Google is telling you, you know, you've reached your limit. So now you need to be paying like 200 bob, which is okay. You can afford that. 12, but now you need you need to pay it with a card. <laughs> I don't, you, maybe you've never been in the business of, of cards. You only know M-Pesa, so they don't have that. So I think those are some of the teething problems that payment systems, they can lock you out of very important things that uh, can impact your business because maybe all your business partners are emailing you and mm-hmm. they're saying, hey, you're not getting... Our emails we are sending you, and your email is bouncing. So it puts it can put you in a very difficult uh, situation. situation. So I think yeah. those are some of the things where they're asking: Can we have M-Pesa integrating with some of these global giants, so right. that you can buy something in the United States using M-Pesa, and, and M-Pesa which for a lot of people is so much more um, convenient. So those are some of the very interesting innovation um, um, themes that are coming up from this tour. Mm-hmm. In terms of the medium term revenue strategy that uh, our Treasury Secretary Njuguna Ndongo has uh, disclosed plans and their plans for next year. But their plans to stop the zeroation of value added tax on the supply of some items. Would you tell us what items and what does that mean? Although it's like it's a, it's a proposal, but what does it mean? Yeah, that topic was trending last week, um, particularly with the proposal of VAT uh, going up from 16 to 18%. So this is a proposal. Yeah. Uh, it was trending because it can mean we just moved to 16% a few months ago, particularly on fuel. So raising it up to next year, um, you know, as a businessman, and I'm planning my strategy for 2024, obviously it complicates because it means your goods become more expensive fewer people can afford your goods and you have less business which means you might even have to cut back on, on, on exactly on 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 on, on even the labor force uh, so the zero rating of a lot of goods um also also was also um quite 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 interesting given that just a few months ago uh there was that move from moving from zero rating to tax exempt i won't get into that uh <laughs> particularly today. Right. But definitely for a lot of people, this the central message is, you know, the cost of doing business um, could potentially go up. And as you say, these are proposals that will be put. So instead of Kenyans complaining on social media, right. there is an avenue that the Treasury has provided yeah. of feedback. I think the deadline is 6th of October. Mm-hmm. So it's important Kenyans also practice the culture of, you know, giving feedback in the formal way. Okay. I think sometimes we use Twitter and such things to express rage, but there's a formal window. I think it's a 6th of October where you can craft um, a feedback. I think it's very important in, in, in how we participate in how governance is. So that's proposals, but definitely for somebody looking at strategy next year, you need to be really cognizant that that will affect sales. Because now when goods become more expensive, salaries are the same. Yeah. Naturally, it'll mean it'll mean um, the businesses environment might be uh, particularly slow, and that's I, th- I think part of the reason even why the projections uh, might not be as uh, robust as you'd expect. Which is also being influenced as, as again by the rise of fuel, 
and there was also a report that was uh, published by the leading economic indicators report by KNBS and it said that diesel consumption is at its lowest since 2020 can what does this say about our state of consumption right now and then now we've also gotten higher fuel prices that report is very very important and you know many of these reports pass by without Kenyans really knowing mm-hmm. uh, in fact if i could summarize the four most important documents it would be uh, the mpc document from the central bank right uh, the budget uh, report that is the monetary that, policy committee that's a treasury yeah. and um, this one the leading economic indicators this one is published by the bureau of statistics mm-hmm. uh, very rich data right. you know, when you're building your strategy these are the things that you need to be looking at because it looks at consumption of dairy consumption of cement right. of diesel as you say and it says diesel really is at its lowest point um since 2020 so it tells you the state of consumption in Kenya is quite weak because if you think of diesel diesel is associated with manufacturing so you have either factories con- using diesel or you have trucks transporting so it, it gives you a very rich commentary on the state of manufacturing the state of um consumption of manufactured goods yeah. and it's it's very worrying you know in Kenya we don't have a very good a uh, consumption indicator we have the production indicator the pmis yes. but don't have a very good consumption indicator so things like this tend to give us good proxies it tells you really what's are in it it confirms what we've always said where when you have increased taxation yeah um which makes the cost of goods unreachable uh then the demand goes down and uh the trucks how can only do fewer trips They're because parked. the market is not demanding As much, as much as as it used to so obviously diesel consumption um definitely comes and it's again the theme where we we talked about um higher taxation does not necessarily mean higher revenue that is true you can get to a point where you are having higher taxation as we look at the first right. two months of this fiscal year mm-hmm. but actually leading to revenue collection that is just above target just above historical standards despite the many taxes and i think that should guide our fiscal policy you know when you talk about we need more revenue is it always more taxation that's i think it puts a very good philosophical question on our fiscal policy yeah which is a conversation that uh, i think uh, government is grappling with because if at all revenue hasn't grown in tandem with the taxes that means even their targets are also going to be less and the businesses are also not doing more so that means from where i'm sitting one i'm unable to afford the cost of capital because the interest rates have really gone high and then i would have to um cut back on my spending um that means even for employment i have less people and if at all i'm going to hire i have to hire on a temporary basis and that means then the people who would have been employed are out in the streets the people i have then have lesser spending power in terms of their monetary amount that they have because i cannot increase the salary uh, my my revenue is also not going up so it brings a spiral and that is also i think the question we are asking as kenyans and the price of fuel is still going up but at the same time the economy is not 
really able to hold that weight in terms of the taxes in terms of even basically what we are able to sell our revenues and we can see very many industries are actually struggling financial services is what we looked at the other day is the only uh, market uh, industry that is looking to hiring so isn't are we really still in a spiral like are, are we just digging ourselves into a hole um and i know people have asked um isn't the best way to go into like cutting costs and reducing our recurrent expenditure because as you have rightly put it we did collect but the amount is not even sufficient for the taxes so can out of what has been collected what percentage goes into the growth of this economy what what really is our biggest highest cost all the shocking statistic if you look at that budget uh, review and outlook paper it says about 84% of what's been collected mm-hmm. in the first two months of this fiscal year that's july and august, july and august has been going towards servicing debt and obviously that paints a picture of really debt distress yeah um you can imagine if 84% of your income was going, going towards to servicing debt. Yeah. debt so it tells you the room for government to meet its obligations to health education to pensioners um to roads and infrastructure to uh Millions delayed spend, payments yeah. by suppliers you know mm-hmm. there's all there's this mm-hmm. whole 200 billion exactly. that's owed to suppliers it means those limitations become very real um that deb- that figure has been tossed around yeah. and discussed but also it's good to put a caveat to it in the sense that um debt to china tends to be paid in january and in july okay so the july number tends to be higher oh. than other months because of that particular debt so it skews that number okay um so 84% might be sort of like an elevated number but even if you talk about other months mm-hmm. it it will probably come down to about 60 or something but still even that tells it's still a burden uh, my worry is these debt maturities we are paying yes have been anchored on let's talk about the one year t bills mm-hmm. of last year when it was 9% right and ask myself this time next year we'll be servicing the maturities of these t bills of today which are 14 15% how much more <laughs> at the same time will have had to pay a euro bond off yes. so it obviously paints a picture of real debt distress and you know the million dollar question is is there a way out of this and you know i've been very repeated in saying we need to review our tax policy mm. um this vat loading vat on everything is only weakening business right and these are the businesses that are meant to give government Revenue. revenue so if you start killing the chicken that lays the golden eggs mm-hmm. you won't have any eggs um in the in the future so it it requ- it's a very delicate strategy but i think at the heart of it is having a tweak not even a tweak i'd say a seismic shift to our fiscal policy particularly our taxation policy yeah. i think we need to be very light on vat and heavier on what we call sort of like the progressive taxes okay what would you call at the progressive taxes well i definitely say the key one i think is the property rates mm. i think those ones have been extremely low 
um, you know, we we always benchmark ourselves with Singapore. Right. And when you go to Singapore, um, property rates are about 1%, 2%. Here it's about 0.015. So I think we need to raise those and reduce VAT so that people who are in business and VAT hits business hard, you give them a reprieve. Yeah. And uh, the property owners um, pay slightly more than not more actually what is really the global average really. yeah mm-hmm. then in that particular case because government is still also the biggest spender and if at all government holds back on spending it has such a big effect and I think we saw that in 2020 and then we came into an election year and then still now and I, I keep saying I understand where they're coming from, but as you said, uh, I don't know which comes first, the, the egg or the chicken. But at this particular point, I think we can tell there's a bit of distress. But at the same time, uh, the budget review and outlook paper um, is saying that Kenyan uh, economy is projected to grow by 5.5% in 2023 and then maintain the growth do you think that is a reflection of the markets, maybe um, what we are seeing globally? Uh, I mean, just based on what you have seen so far. I think you've pointed in a very good contradiction in the sense that a big chunk of our GDP growth comes from public spending, mm. public sector spending. Yeah. It has been spending on infrastructure, roads and such. Yeah. And that's been part of the criticisms that we've had even in the previous administration. You know, we always used to say, we are being told the economy is going at 5%, but we don't feel it in our pockets. We cannot. And that's because it's been very public sector driven. Right. Now, the problem of that model is now when you come to exactly what you've pointed, where government can't do such aggressive spending because you have huge debts to service. service. You see, if we had a very vibrant private sector yeah. uh, that drives the economy, that drives growth, which I think is a correct type of growth, even if right now we were deep in debt, it would not, we would not feel it significantly because the private sector would be the engine that for growth. Driving, yes. So even if government is curtailed with servicing debt, it would not be felt. But right now we'll really feel it in a really difficult way because a lot of people... You know, when you talk about in Kenya, when, when, when Kenyans say, I'm, I'm trying business, yeah. very common phrase, I'm trying business, typically what they mean <laughs> is I'm trying to look for a tender <laughs> or applying for a tender. So you can see how government, the psyche is so deep. In fact, you'll right. notice companies that register today, yeah. the number one activity they'll do is look for a tender. Look for a tender. So someone will ask you, do you know anybody in any parastatal that I can do a, I do a tender? So it's so deep in our psyche. And now when government doesn't have the ability to spend now we pay. can see the In fact, effects. it's struggling with um, supplies from previous years. He's saying, first we need to even sort mm, out even before getting new people. <laughs> so it means that one engine that has been flying the Kenyan plane is really overworked. It's overworked. And that private one died long time. So we really need to move towards a private sector driven economy, which means lower interest rates, right. lower taxes, Loose and regulation. That's what makes private sector thrive, those three. So we need to have that so that even in future, if government has commitments, because you can cure all these things, but government gets fresh commitments, right. the private sector still remains the engine for growth. Is that, 
is that the scenario in um in the USA because I know their debt is also significantly quite high but we do not see okay I I don't think that effect is like you know they they can tell unemployment is this high or is this low is that what has happened there like the private sector is so key that what is happening to their to the to the government uh, is able to cushion that even when they have really high debts because they have really high debts they have really high debts but they're also very smart much of that debt is not due immediately right. it's a very long term debt uh-huh. in fact if you look at the percentage of tax revenue that goes towards servicing debt it's about 10 11% okay. in fact when it gets to 12% it's a crisis so in as much as our leaders tell us america the debt to gdp is very high yeah. the reality is the portion of it that's due today is very very minimal. little they are very long term debt 10 okay. years as we always talk about the 10 year bonds right. yeah and and such so in such an environment you can have all the debt you want but the question is how much of that is due and in for kenya a lot of it is due so fine they have a new strategy of trying to lengthen mm-hmm. the duration that's a good strategy uh, but still i think we have still a lot of short term short term debt and that's what we find in america we, despite the huge debt they still have the higher standards of living yeah um are still quite there and there's been a lot of conversation if at all the hiking fuel is is it justified based on what is happening globally because well there's been conversation that it's not growing that high but is that the true case like is this being led by market forces um and i know you had also pointed that out but is it actually what is happening in the world so we are we are anticipating that the fuel prices are still going to go up is that the case that is a case the global outlook is fuel prices will continue rising particularly because of the supply cuts by russia and saudi arabia um i know there's a minister who put it in a different yeah. <laughs> language yeah. here but that's actually the reality okay uh, but i think what kenyans are asking is yes we get the global prices are going up yeah. but can we reduce the taxation part so that even though global prices are going up that the reduced taxation sort of is able to absorb it right. so i think that's the discussion the idea that almost half of our pump prices are right. going to towards taxes i think that's the thing that a lot of kenyans despite knowing that international prices are going up that huge of that huge part of local taxation is i think what's asking kenyans why is it then cheaper in tanzania right. why is it then cheaper in uganda so there's a tax component that we can't run away from and we need to address okay can uh, we are going to wait and see what happens next week if at all it'll get less traffic And that is it from us. I can see Wanjera here ready for the hype. Uh catch us on this and the latest episode of Financial Forecast on Capital FM SoundCloud page and anywhere else where you get your podcast from from myself. It is good evening and have a blessed wonderful week. Goodbye.